The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. Everybody, welcome to a wonderful live Q&A. It is Laura Rosen Cohen sitting in for the great prophet Mark Stein. Peace be upon him and pocket squares be upon him. Uh, Mark is feeling a little bit under the weather and I am the official seat warmer uh, for today. So really delighted and honored to be here with you guys. It is June the 9th, Friday, June the 9th, and it is actually a relatively okay day here in Southern Ontario. Um, the weather is really quite normal. Um, I've gotten a couple questions already about the wildfire smoke situation, and uh, we'll go back to that soon. Uh, we'll just take care of a little short laundry list of items to go through before we get started with your questions. As always, your questions are the most important part of the broadcast. Um, I do want to mention that though Mark is under the weather, he will be back doing a new show, a new Mark Stein show on Monday. So just bear with us, bear with Mark for a little longer, and you will get a full dose of regular host, none of this uh, guest host or guest host for the guest host stuff. Um, I'm feeling very perky today. I have to say I was, as always, a little bit nervous, you know, about the technical setup before this broadcast, but you just gotta love that intro music. When it gets to that bass and the pizzicato, that boom, 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 uh, just feeling really perky about that, feeling actually really perky also about one of the first questions that came in, which touched on the multicultural battle between the trans and the uh, whatever LGBTQIA two-spirited activists and the Muslim parents and the line that we are going to revisit again, this uh, it's not a joke, Mansoor. I, I am still just dying of laughter. Uh, we will get back to that. Uh, on the laundry list, um, because you know I am a Jewish mother, so I am always concerned with laundry and domestic servitude, um, I do want to mention uh, a lot of you keep asking how you can support Mark and Dr. Naomi Wolf in their upcoming battle um, against the repulsive, censorious, tyrannical censors of Ofcom. And you can do that, uh, even just listening in and seeing what's happening with Mark and with the case obviously is a great thing. Please do consider uh, a gift certificate for the Stein Online store, um, buying Mark's new book. That is another great way to support uh, the efforts. And obviously, if you are inclined, you can also purchase um, memberships in the Mark Stein Club for people you love. Um, you can also do it in honor of people you hate. That is another idea. Um, I actually did that, not with a Mark Stein Club membership, but a long time ago um, when Jean Chrétien was Prime Minister of Canada, 
I remember making a hate donation in his honor. I think I donated $50 at the time to um, Magen David Adom in Israel, which is like the equivalent of the Red Cross in Israel. And another $50 uh, I did to, uh, I think, a children's, a disabled children's charity. Oh, no, it was Beit HaLochem, which is the Israeli um, disabled warriors uh, rehab hospital and programs. And I did a spite donation because he made some ridiculously uh, anti-Israel gross comments. So I thought it would be fitting for his office to see that a donation was made in his honor. So you can do the memberships for those you love and you can do them for those you hate too. Um, so that's my little list. And um, we have a good hour today. Uh, as the days are longer, I am in less of a rush. Uh, the Sabbath candle lighting is 840 this evening. So we are going to take a leisurely pace uh, down with your questions. And um, I feel like I've got all the time in the world now. I did want to mention, um, I was trying to think in the comment section of uh, the Mark Stein Club a while ago, I can't remember who the commenter was, but somebody made a great point about how the uh, decline of Canada in terms of policy and, um, you know, cultural environment, they pinpointed it actually at Pierre Elliott Trudeau, uh, the, you know, Justin Trudeau's daddy-o, uh, for when the real decline started in terms of um, our culture and our civilization here in Canada. And I actually pretty much agree with that. It certainly was um, a point where we saw really disrespectful behavior in office by the part of an official. He was just a lousy, crappy guy. That was when multiculturalism became an official policy. All these really terrible things started to happen under the Trudeau um, government, as unsurprising that Justin Trudeau has picked up that mantle. But I was also remembering that I, I feel that there was another cultural turning point for North America. I'm going to bounce this off of you guys and see if you agree with me. Uh, as a child of the 70s, although of course it was the greatest time to be a kid, uh, we were freer out all night, drove down to Florida with our parents in the back seat in the, in the, of the station wagon without seatbelts on, uh, smoking, parents, the works, drinking. <laughs> it's like the 70s and 80s for teens were just great times. Um, but I, I do feel like free to be you and me. Do you guys remember free to be you and me? I've been thinking about this so much. And unfortunately, because of the number of times that I listened to that damned album, I actually do know most of the lyrics off by heart. And I was thinking that that album really was a push towards all kinds of um, gender bending ideas before its time. It was like a a first push towards that, you know, William wants a doll that, okay, that's great. William wants a doll. There was also all that, all these goobery, sentimental, freaky, um, bendy ideas. And if you think about it, like there's a land that I see where the children are free. I could sing it for you if you guys want. And I say it ain't far to this land from where we are like utopia, and now if you think of those lyrics, do you know that lyric where it's like, every boy in this land grows to be his own man. Every girl in this land grows to be her own woman. Um, if you think about that now, <laughs> I don't think that the progressive left would actually allow those songs and lyrics to be played anymore. Like that sounds like perfect sense, right? And that was the left of the time. They were stretching the boundaries 
you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. It might make you feel better. Fine. But now if you sang the song and talked about how, you know, every boy in this land grows to be his own man, and every girl in this land grows to be her own woman, I think you'd get arrested. Anyways, they'd start burning existing copies of those tapes and CDs. What do you guys think? Um, I think it was kind of a watershed in terms of culture and the idea that through kids, that's the best way to push these agendas and these ever-changing ideas about humanity um, since we've known humans existed. So those are some of the topics that we're going to cover. Uh, and we're going to talk about how things are really falling apart in America and the Western world. And what I think we need to do is focus back on individual rights. We have to all be equal before the law or there's chaos. Individual lives, we have to reestablish our commitment and our dedication um, to talking about the sanctity of every human life. That's something I think that all civilized people can do together, uh, whatever religion you are, or atheist or agnostic, that could be a something that binds us, and our individual responsibilities. So let's keep those uh, themes in mind. As we go forward with some of your questions, um, some of them have already talked about that. So let us go to one of the first questions that we got, and it is from Anne. So Anne writes to us, uh, Sky News is reporting the stabbing of multiple children in France by a Syrian, quote, refugee, and it's not terrorism, but rather a senseless tragedy. Your thoughts. So I guess for those of you who haven't uh, been on the news and haven't been paying attention, there was um, a horrific uh, terrorist stabbing attack in France, and it was small children who were attacked by a Syrian migrant. So obviously my first thought about this kind of thing is, can somebody please please remind me why Europe, why does France need Syrian migrants? Why do they need them? Why is this considered an essential part of France's development? Why? Of course, the answer is it does not. And also the situation is that it's actually too late to be discussing these ideas um, and whether or not it is a good idea because it's too late it's irreversible. France is really in bad shape. And the other part of it is that this is going to happen much more frequently. So all the platitudes that are muttered are gutless. Um, there's no turning this back. I think France's Muslim population is, it's certainly over 10%. And 10%, as you all know, is where there's a very serious demographic um issue in any given country. 10% is a very big number. And in France, you know, there's the no-go zones, etc. So is it a senseless tragedy? Uh, for the individual families, it is a tragedy. It makes a lot of sense to the perpetrators. They know what they're doing and they know why they're doing it. And unfortunately, all of these types of terror attacks that were unfortunately um, pioneered um, for the most part by Palestinians um, against Jews in Israel and in other parts of the world. That's one of those things that it's never just about Jews and it's never going to be limited to Jews. So <laughs> anti-Semites might want that to be the case, but everything that is trialed 
in terms of terrorism, whether it's methods, um, any any item on God's green earth uh, can be turned into a weapon by these awful terrorist uh, terrorists. And so we have to beware and um, there's no turning it back. That's the bad news. Um, it's really not a senseless tragedy. It is it is evil what has been done to uh, formerly civilized countries. And the demographics are what is going to be the bottom line, the final word. So sorry to kick off things in a depressive um, way, but what's going to have to happen as well is that if there are going to be any victories, let's say, against terrorism within countries that are already quite overwhelmed with hostile forces, then a lot more countries are going to have to take a page from Israel in terms of how to deal with um, large numbers of hostile terrorists uh, in the midst of civilian populations. It's just not going to go away. You know, in Germany, it's the car rammings, planes, um, knives, whatever it is, anything that can be used to kill people, those things are going to be used and they're going to be more frequent all over what's left of the Western world. And the only way to avoid that is by not having an importation of, of that kind of population, which is why obviously in Poland and in most of um, Eastern Europe, we don't see the same things happening. So thank you, Anne, for that question. Um, let us go now to Alyssa Angel. Uh, Alyssa has a question about the wildfires. Laura, what's going on with the Canadian wild, wildflower, uh, wildflowers? <laughs> if only it were an epidemic of wildflowers, that would be lovely. Uh, but it is not. It is wildfires. Um, yes, Alyssa, I, I have to admit, I haven't been following every detail of the story. Um, I believe that somebody was arrested, I think maybe in Nova Scotia, or somewhere else uh, as an arsonist. So uh, that's one thing. Um, I'll try to pop the story into the comments. Uh, we can follow up with that later. But um, a few people that I know from New York, where it was like orange skies, were emailing me and they said, what's it like up there? And I sent a picture the day before yesterday and yesterday of my porch where it was pretty much sunny and then it was a little bit cloudy, but we did not have where I am. It was a little bit smoky, but like nothing nothing major and um, because they wanted proof that of what was happening up here. Um, I think that one thing that we can be sure of is that whatever the officials are telling you about what it is, uh, it is not. It, they're going really hard on the climate change line, like these fires are because of climate change. So the more vociferously they discuss it in terms of climate change, the more you can be assured that it's for sure not that. Whatever it is they tell you, it's not. So I think probably when there are more arrests for arson, I, I don't know if it's um, like careless fires, but like I said, one person was definitely arrested. I remember seeing something about it. I just think that all of these uh, episodes are going to be used uh, in the COVID lockdown paradigm. So I saw somebody posted on Twitter that I think the Philadelphia Board of Education used this as a reason um, to make schools remote uh, for a couple days this week. So the COVID paradigm has worked very well for elites in, in power positions of power. And now that they know that it works, they're going to keep 
using it against us uh, for whatever they can. So it's not a great situation, uh, Elisa. Um, and that's all I can really tell you right now. I think that when people are arrested, if there are more people arrested for arson, it's going to be done very quietly. Uh, their histories will probably be very hushed up and we won't hear too much more about it. The only time we will hear anything about it is if it serves a climate change 2030 agenda, net zero kind of garbage type of thing. Thank you so much for that question. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Lots of good stuff in here today. Thank you guys. I'm going to take now a question from Ken B. Ken B writes to us, Many people, including myself, are immensely enjoying the, quote, it's not a joke Mansoor rant and making fun of the woke mindset behind it. You must not just accept, but tolerate. Still, what the teacher said echoes what many others have said, including Yasmin Muhammad on Mark's show, that if you come to the West, you are the guest. You can't impose your mores on us. Really, it is a joke and the joke's on us. What did our foolish promoters of multiculturalism expect? Opening the floodgates to Islamic immigration. That is, um, it's a great question. I'm just going to back up in case uh, people didn't see uh, this story that uh, Ken B is referring to. So actually, Andrew uh, covered this when he was hosting the Mark Stein show with the with Mark's angels. And the story is of a Canadian high school student, a Muslim Canadian high school student. And I believe it was in Edmonton, Alberta. And somebody taped this student uh, being completely berated uh, verbally by a teacher who was very offended that he had excused himself for parts of the pride um, festivities and celebrations at his school. So she went on a tear and was recorded tearing a strip off this uh, observant Muslim kid. And so again, just picture the optics, you know, probably a zuftic, chunky, uh, undersexed, angry, shrieking, white, liberal Canadian woman, probably with pink or blue hair, something like that, shrieking at a brown student about how, you know, when it was Ramadan, we all we all did your Ramadan and that's your religion. So, you know, you're here in Canada. You can't just excuse yourself and not show up for other people's. Now, she didn't say like other people's religion, but that was actually implied. And that was one of the craziest things about it. And then the other thing about it is I maybe he was smirking. I don't know what. Maybe he was giving her a look. But then she says in the audio recording, it's not a joke, Mansoor. And... I just think that's hilarious. Like, I feel bad for this student to have been subjected to such an awful rant. But that line, it's not a joke, Mansoor, that doesn't that actually completely encapsulate where we're at with this stuff? Uh, I think it does. I think we're like close to a tipping point because Muslim parents, observant Muslim parents, are organizing much uh, more effectively against a lot of this trans mania and insanity and sex, quote, education, you know, the indoctrination, than, than most other groups in, in North America and probably in Europe too, but they are not having it. And I think that's a good thing. I said uh, in my own column that I would be on the side of the streets with the fully hijabed and fully um, garbed, you know, head to toe Muslim ladies on this issue because children are in danger children are in danger. 
So as to the point of how did this happen and what were people thinking, I think we still have to go back to Neil Oliver's expression about this. This is happening because the people in charge wanted it to happen. And even here in Canada, when there was an uh, ostensibly and allegedly conservative government uh, run by Stephen Harper and um, Jason Kenney was, I think, was Minister of Immigration at the time or Deputy Prime Minister. And Muslim immigration to Canada was in the hundreds of thousands, I think even more than 9-11. And I think there was a similar pattern, pattern, if I recall, in America. So it it's happening because that's what they wanted to happen. Now, I guess we have to think about whether it was out of, you know, liberal pieties, multicultural pieties, or whether they, on some level, really wanted the population to be um, infused with a greater uh, demographic of a Muslim population. I think those are fair questions to ask. I think that it was intentional to have that multiculturalism. I think that a lot of um, multi, uh, sorry, Muslim populations, they're seen as being needy, deserving of opportunities in, in the new world, in the West, in the Western world, uh, sort of a paternalistic approach to it. But I do think that there are, is a breed of um, a Western intellectual, a Western policy Mandarin who actually um, has sort of an, I would say, almost an erotic fixation with um, with strong horse, quote unquote, Muslims. They see it as a very masculine thing, um, a dominant thing, a traditional thing. And I think that they are enamored of that. And I think that that's one of the reasons. So I think on some level, whether it's subconscious or not, they, they want that invasion. They do. They want it. Otherwise, it really wouldn't be happening. So I don't think it's going to go in a good direction um, here in Canada either, because I think that, as we saw a couple weeks ago, Canada's population rose by a million people. And that was not because of natural growth or pregnancies or babies here. Uh, it was purely to do with um, immigration and mostly uh, low skill, low skill to no skill or family reunification of low to no skill um, individuals. So it's not going to get better. We're going to run out of money. Um, and probably the Canadian government is just going to continue to push euthanasia, i.e. state deicide on people as a way of getting out of their responsibilities uh, for taking care of people who are already here. So um, it's not great. And I think that they were for sure expecting that to happen. I think that it's a feature and not a bug. Um, that is it. Oh, we have, my goodness, some breaking news. Uh, we hear that Boris Johnson, breaking news, he resigns as an MP. Now that's uh, very interesting. Maybe he's already sewn up his gig at uh, the World Economic Forum. What do we think about this, guys? This is literally... Uh, hot off the presses. He is out. Um, let's see, we've got somebody just posted a neat tweet. So I'm going to take a bojo break here and read you this uh, from Twitter. Laura Leon, Lion, Tory's out. Nadine Doris, now bojo. Time up at last. Time for a GE, a general election. At Rishi Sunak, your party is finished. 
Boris Johnson steps down as MP with immediate effect. Um, is it too early to say good riddance? I mean, like, really good riddance. Goodbye, you idiot. You foppish, can't comb your hair because you think it looks cool moron. Those are my sentiments. So that's the breaking news. Um, if you guys want to throw any questions uh, related to that, feel free. But I think this is going to be um, something that I am mostly going to defer to Mark on. Uh, that's a good, juicy story. And of course, Mark will be back on Monday with a whole new Mark Stein show. So I'm assuming that that is going to be a wonderful part of Mark's show on Monday. So let's go back to your questions. Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. We have a question from one Rebecca Enkin of Toronto. So we are probably, Rebecca, not uh, too far from one another. Uh, so I am waving to you from within this deteriorating city. Hello. Let's see what uh, Rebecca has to say. Hi, Laura. I am writing to you from our fair city of Toronto during Pride Month. Um, Rebecca, you dum-dum, it is not Pride Month, it is Pride Season, according to the Government of Canada website. I know you guys all remember it started off as like a Pride March and a Pride Day, and then it was Pride Month, but it's not Pride Month anymore, it's Pride Season. There you go. Don't be dumb. Uh, I have a little story about the perversion of language in the small private school uh, in which I work as a music teacher. Every year in June, we personalize the lyrics of our school song to include the names of children graduating from grade five. It's a nice little emotional touch to the ceremony in this small community of families up to age 10 and 11. This year, there will be only one girl graduating because so many families left during COVID. Oh, that's, that's sad. Who wants to pay tuition for a lockdown private school, right? Anyways, into the song lyric, I inserted, it's time to say bye to the girl in grade five. And our always friendly and upbeat kindergarten teacher just came in and told me that since she is working to remove gender language from her classrooms, she has decided to sing the song in a different way. As she practices with her five-year-old pupils, she will sing, she will change girl to friend, and they will all sing, it's time to say bye to our friend in grade five. She wanted me to know her point of view, and I told her that I disagree with her. She knows better than to expect me to follow suit on removing gendered language, but I worry about her influence over the small children in her care. What's a girl to do short of doubling down on the use of pronouns wherever we go? This is madness. Yeah, I agree. The thing about all these cuckoo heads is that they can't do anything original. So they have to steal everybody else's creative material, whether it's movies or songs or little kids ditties or plays or whatever, and they have to wreck everything. That is their compulsion, to wreck everything. And it's like Mark said, it's like when you put, you know, a little bit of poop and you mix it into ice cream. That ice cream is completely unusable, inedible. It might look nice. You might get a lovely little mocha color going on if you put the poop into the vanilla, but it is still crapola and toxic and poisonous and that is what they're doing and it just takes a little bit of pushback on these things so you know I always tell people you can do what you can and not what you can't but certainly the fact that your views are known is a good thing because that is insane and it again shows how the target is children so you're gonna have to steal yourself I think like I said, that we're getting to a bit of a tipping point with, with a lot of this stuff. Um, 
there's been some really whack videos out there about, like I said, Muslim parents confronting boards of education, Armenian parents, like lots of more traditional conservative um, parts of society confronting these radicals. Um, so we are getting there. It's slow going. But, um, you know, what you've described is just a, a perfect example of how children <clears throat> are the ones who are targeted. And um, it's really awful. And you have to do what you can to protect kids. And I would sing it the way you always sing it. Um, that's really the only thing that you can do is push back however you can. Um, thanks for letting us know about that story, uh, Rebecca. It's it's really, really awful. But like I said, I, I do think that there's a small amount of pushback. Uh, the tide's turning a little bit. A lot of damage is still going to be done before we have like a big wave uh, of um, dissent on this because there's a lot a lot at uh, risk for people. It's it's very scary to push back. But like we've always said, courage is contagious. So keep it up and uh, try not to be scared or intimidated. That goes for everybody. Everybody does what they can, like um, individuals. Let's keep remembering what individuals can do. It's really important. I am going to take a short sip of water and then uh, try to find some more good questions in here. There are a whole bunch, so we'll see how much we can get through. We are at uh, about halfway through our program now, so let's get a little drink. And then I'm going to do a little more scrolling and see what else other people are thinking about. Uh, let's see. Okay, we've got um, <laughs> we've got Eric Dale. Eric Dale always is polite to royalty and nobility. Hi, Eric. So Eric says, hey, Laura, hail to the queen of the Q&A. That's very gendered language, you know, Eric. Maybe uh, you're assuming my gender. Uh, long may she reign. Where do you see BlackRock Vanguard over the long term? It seems that whatever their past successes, this push push for ESG and stakeholder capitalism is actively hurting the companies that put it into practice. Target and Bud Light have been subject to boycotts. Disney is paying the price for bad decisions. And who knows how much profits have been lost by others throwing good money after bad. On one hand, I would personally love to see the whole lot of them burn for their failures, but for the fact that almost all our retirement savings and investment are controlled by these clowns. If these trillion dollar conglomerates go tits up, what do you see happening to the rest of us? Goodbye 401k and IRAs, question mark. Um, that's a huge question, Eric. You fit a lot into your short two paragraphs. Um, I'm not going to comment too much like directly on BlackRock and Vanguard. I can say that this ESG and all these woke capitalist, quote capitalist initiatives are toxic, dangerous, and obviously are going to lead to money bleeds wherever wherever they are incorporated. I feel like it's just very high school also. Like everybody's worried about what the popular kids are going to say about them. So these people who've been inserted into companies, like whether they started the companies or whether they have hired people to be the CEOs, these people, just so that you understand where we're at, they, they are literally willing and interested in running these companies and the stocks to the ground in order to appear popular and woke enough to the loud vocal majority of people who are dictating the policies and just yelling the loudest about it. 
You guys understand? So, but the the Bud Budweiser beer thing, Bud Light, that's a classic example. I don't know if you guys also saw that there there were periodic brazen break-ins to Lululemon stores in the United States somewhere I can't remember where, and the staff like called the police or tried to push out the thieves when they gathered like all this um, expensive yoga crap from Lululemon, and then they fired the staff members I think it was because they weren't really so tolerant of the people who were stealing, so everything is upside down, and these CEOs are perfectly willing to turn everything into crap. They are the crap in the ice cream. So they will make certain that there is no ice cream for the rest of us. I don't have any answers. All I can say is probably just time for everybody to start pointing out that the emperor has no clothes um, unless they want those horridly expensive schmatas from Lululemon that all the wine moms seem to pay $200 for leggings for. So it's bad stuff. And I did try to get through, um, there was a New York Times author who wrote a book on this woke cap, um, stakeholder capitalism. That's actually like a Klaus Schwab proper phrase. And as far as I could discern from the few pages of this verbal diarrhea book that I tried to get through in order to save you guys the hassle of reading this crap, is stakeholder capitalism just means sort of like we're going to take over the world through capitalistic enterprises that are all already established and consolidate our money and power. That's all it seems to me. And it's like their favorite catchphrase. It's really weird. And it's definitely like a WEF um, messaging. Super creepy. And it's going to get a lot worse. So I don't know. Anytime I think about like Americans and their retirement plans, I just get really scared for you guys. I have to be honest. Um, I don't know what your money is going to be worth. I don't know if it's going to be worth much at all. I'm very scared for you about that. There's not enough money in the world to, I don't think, to pay back the debts that America has incurred. China is in control of that, essentially. So um, I, I think diversifying would be the best idea for most people. Um, Cash, I think, is going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem to actually have cash in your hands. They're going to want things to be digitized, all these WF, WEF cuckoos <clears throat> and leftist um, uh, leaders are going to want to really move towards digitizing everything so that they can keep much tighter reins on us individuals. So um, I'm, I don't know, real estate, I'm, I'm trying to think, maybe people who are in the financial sector uh, who are club members can um, weigh in in the comments or send um, some questions in that Mark uh, can pick up on on the Mark Stein show about what people think would be prudent to invest their money in because there is a lot of risk out there and things are going to be rocky for a while uh, and they're going to we're going to get a better indicator of that I think after the next American federal election I think at that point we'll we'll be able to see. Um, is there ever going to be a Republican uh, president of America again? Uh, is the system so corrupt and is the left so determined to hold its place in power that there will never be another Republican um, president? I, I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm not being kooky or conspiratorial, but I think that I, I do have a genuine worry about that. So we'll see how that pans out. So Eric, I diverged a little bit 
Um, but thank you for that question. Okay, moving along. Um, Toby Pilling writes, if I decide to self-identify as Napoleon, can I legally compel others to refer to me, his imperial majesty, as my preferred pronoun? I certainly think it is worth a try, Toby. You should. I think that sometimes being outrageous about these things is the answer to it. It does take a little bit of wind out of the sails. So I would try it. Um, I think it's really weird how the pronoun stuff has caught on like wildfire. It's so irritating to see it in emails, particularly from people who should know better. Um, Mark was mentioning, I think that one of his lawyers in the Ofcom case has a pronoun identifier in his or her um, email signature. And actually, I I also am involved in, in a legal matter uh, haven't discussed publicly, but anyways, one of the solicitors that uh, I have had the great uh, misfortune of having to deal with uh, does also have a signature of she, her. So it's become a little bit of a running joke that, uh, have you seen the latest from person's name, she, her? That's how we refer to that lawyer. Um, anyways, I think you should try it. The more outrageous, the better. It's, it is best to laugh about some of these things and laugh in their faces. Okay, that was a good one. Let us see what else is coming along. Um, da, da, da. Okay, we have a question. We have a Trump question uh, from James P. Um, let's see, here we go. On the Trump indictments, I can't tell if this is just the typical approach of authoritarian regimes jailing the opposition, or if it's more a subtle boost, a subtle move to boost Trump support and try to ensure he's the Republican nominee whom Biden thinks he can beat or both. Okay, that uh, question is going to require quite a bit of unpacking. There's a lot in there. So basically, America has turned into not a banana republic. It's worse than a banana republic. It is worse. I don't know why amongst all the people in your wonderful country, my American friends, why there's nobody who's uh, really not focused on uncorrupting the election system, the voting system. If you guys don't focus on that, there will be no recovery. There will be no Republican president ever again. And they'll do it at the gubernatorial level as well. There won't be Republican governors. And once they're successful with that, they'll do it on the the city level, the municipal and the county level. They are serious, as Mark says, always about power. So this is a, another flex. It's completely corrupt. It's disgusting. Um, yes, in banana republics, um, opposition leaders are jailed. So this is obviously um, kind of watershed events in American history. But I don't see the pushback. I just see a bunch of floppy, flaccid, you know, castrados in American politics, supposedly conservatives, not doing anything about it, uh, except tweeting or, you know, doing their fundraising campaigns. So it's a disaster. I don't think it's a stunt. Like I think that the Biden, although he's like a dementia riddled pudding brain, his people are serious about making Trump go to jail. They are serious about that. And again, 
all this gets back to the erosion over decades of the individual, individual rights, individual equality under the law. So people have been turning a blind eye to the, um, to the preciousness of individual rights, individual liberty, the sanctity of an individual human life. Individuals, individuals, individuals. I know I keep harping on that, but if you don't get back to basics, there will be no recovery from this stuff. So I don't think it's a stunt. And I think that, like, again, a lot of people uh, misunderstand why Biden will be running again. Uh, aside from the fact that obviously Dr. Jill Biden, doctor, who has the worst taste of any first lady ever and is subjecting her husband to elder abuse left, right, and center, regardless, it's not like none of this stuff is hypocrisy or the Diane Feinstein uh, stuff or the John Fetterman. It's not hypocrisy. It is showing you that they can have mentally damaged incapacitated individuals in those seats of power, and it doesn't matter. Nobody cares and nobody's doing anything about it. So the next stage will just be like, you know, I don't know, they'll just have like a puppet, like a literal puppet, not just like a, a brain damaged person or a stroked out person. They'll just, or they'll sit like, like a pineapple there and be like, this is a transhuman pineapple and it's our person. And it's fine. And you're going to have to swallow it just like you've been swallowing all the other garbage about be penist women. You know, in that's what it's going to be if you don't fight back. Uh, again, I don't know if it's going to be possible to recover from this unless there's a serious examination of the corruption in your actual electing process. And Mark has pointed out also on numerous occasions that that is not a normal thing. Like Canada is a crapola place right now. It's really deteriorating. But yet, yet, we managed to have a corruption-free election. And that's important. That's, that's the key. And so do places in Europe. We might not like the results. But I know that when I, I go in, I cast a paper ballot. And the, the, there's uh, early polling results, like in Israel as well. And you basically get a sense of where the wind's blowing. And then by that evening, it's done. There's no pipes bursting, you know, no extra ballots being found. It's done. So guys, you got to get back to basics. Um, they're just showing you what they can do. And so it will get worse. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, do, 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 do. Nicola says, you often speak of your disabled child that you cherish I do, indeed. Do I have another child? I have other children, but I don't really, I don't know. The internet's like a really freaky place. So I don't really like, you know, talk about names and what they're up to and stuff like that. But yes, I do. I'm very lucky, very blessed. Thank you, Nicola, for that question. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Simon Arnold. Uh, Simon says, haha, Simon says, I bet you never get that. Um the kids game, just in case, just 70s stuff once again. Uh, let's go back. Hi, Laura. I have just renewed my club membership. I hope that helps towards the funds. Uh, side note, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, it is because of club members like you and the rest of the members that uh, 
we are able to be here, that I'm able to be here, that Mark's able to carry on, that all this great content uh, is available to to the world. So thank you very much for renewing. It's really awesome. Uh, global warming doesn't seem to have reached North Scotland, a chilly 12 degrees this evening. All these attacks in Europe, Great Britain, and the Commonwealth are terrorist attacks that the media will not admit it sooner or later. All the LBTG, etc., and the left-leaning terrorist deniers will have to choose a side. Do you agree, Laura? Just saw <clears throat> Boris Johnson has quit as an MP. The walls are beginning to tumble. Um, so, yes, it's going to still keep happening. Uh, sorry to hear it's so chilly there. You know, this global warming thing, it used to be like when I was a kid, there was, um, it was acid rain and DDT. And then there was, um, the hole in the ozone layer. And then do you guys remember? Then there was like oat bran and then there were the crack babies. So there's always something, always something crazy. Always the motivation is, to control you, to control your behavior. Now it's to like control your body, like your actual personal bodily autonomy to limit your mobility. The, the stakes are getting higher and higher um, as the years go on. And um, I think that the left people have already chosen their side. They, they are on the side of the terrorists. They, they, they identify with their goals um, to flip Western society on its head and to destroy it. So they've already chosen the sides. And it's really just like the rare person who examines um, all the untruths and reads material from the other side and starts talking to people that they might not have otherwise talked to. And then there can be some kind of um, intellectual conversion of sorts. Um, I think most notably, I, if you think about it, I, I, I have great admiration for Naomi Wolf. Um, I find her a very interesting and um, captivating voice. And I really do appreciate, even though I don't agree with her on a lot of things like um, abortion, for example, but I, I appreciate her intellectual curiosity and evolution. And um, she just wrote a great piece that I think is a, a, a great indicator of that. Uh, I can't remember the title. I put it in the human grace section of the links that came out yesterday. And um, it's just a great piece about how all these liberal elites that she used to be friends with in and those bubbles, they're just so stuffy and not fun. And it's really true. They don't have much joy. So I think um, you should go read that. Check that out for um, a nice snapshot of, of somebody who's made an evolution to sort of like team joy and more to team life. Um, it's really important to uh, identify those people who are turning around. But for the most part, most of those people are going to stay joyless, lefty, morose people for, for the rest of their lives. And they're going to drag people down with their policies. So, <coughs> excuse me, you got to be up for the fight. <clears throat> Ooh, got a frog in my throat. Going to need a little sip of water. And then we will take another few of your questions. It still is, <clears throat> woo. Still is quite lovely here in Southern Ontario. It is not smoky, uh, it is not orange. So all good. We're gonna uh, just mosey along here. Let's see, this is, okay, this is a good one. This is also a topic that uh, Mark obviously spends a lot of time on, on the Mark Stein Show. It is Chris Davies who writes, 
Hi, Laura. The report into UK policing this week is damning, and it is unsurprising that the public's trust and confidence in the coppers is at an all-time low. Cameron and May gutted the police force and the 20,000 new recruits do not mask a chronic lack of experienced coppers who know how to tackle crime beyond speeding or non-crime hate speech. The UK COVID inquiry is clearly a whitewash that will probably report in 2038 to much harumphing and wringing of hands over budget, over time, and less than pointless. One unintended consequence of lockdown was the kidnap, rape, and murder of Sarah Everard by Wayne Cousins, a serving Met police officer. Ms. Everard's fateful decision to breach lockdown conditions should not have proved life-ending, allowing Cousins to falsely arrest her. Excuse me. Had there been no lockdown in force, and by definition, more people on the streets of South London where Ms. Everard was abducted, the chances of Cousins committing this heinous act would have been greatly reduced. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. Um, And it goes on. Um, Is it too much to ask to replace these horrible people with some some people who are uh, able to protect the citizenry? Citizenry. Wow, that is a... A tough one with a frog in my throat. So thank you very much, Chris, for that extensive question. Again, it's it's got a lot of layers. And we'll go back to Mark's expression that uh, Great Britain is really a place where everything is policed except crime. And, you know, also a fellow Canuck, our dear friend, um, Kathy Shadel, rest in peace, had a great line about police officers in general. And of course, it's not all police officers, yada, yada, yada. But she said in Canada, her experience was that they were basically civil servants with guns. Um, As you know, there's a lot of gun control here in Canada. So uh, just because somebody is a police officer by default doesn't mean that they're necessarily a good person. It can be a a good gig for a lot of people. But I think that there's something more sinister operating in the United Kingdom right now. It's that the police um, system there, they they sort of identify also with the bad guys. So I just don't think it's like when some of us were younger and you could uh, safely be assured that if you were in trouble, you could run up to a police officer. Uh, I'm not sure people have that confidence in police officers because they are showing themselves to be on the side of the bad guys. And bad things are not punished in the United Kingdom. Uh, And obviously this story is completely horrendous and it is tied into, as you point out, to lockdowns. Um, These crazy Chinese communist lockdowns made everything worse than it already was and enabled a very many evil things to happen to individual humans, to communities, um, and we've discussed that at length, and Mark has discussed that also on the Mark Stein Show quite a bit. So all of those ingredients made a, a terrifically evil witch's brew. And um, the people in charge, the people who put these policies into place, they don't care. And believe me, they sleep well at night. Anything that happened to us was really just collateral damage for them. They sleep perfectly well at night. Nobody's lost a job. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The only people who've lost jobs are the people who tried to warn against the collateral damage, tried to warn against what would happen. And in fact, on that point, I just noticed that a a purely delightful human physician here in Ontario, uh, an ER physician in a small town in Ontario who was warning against 
um, the the vac- the adverse vaccine reactions that he saw, he was tormented by the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons um, for for discussing it. He has had his medical license revoked. This is Dr. Patrick Phillips, and it is appalling. I know, um, I think Naomi Wolf's website, they've covered his career before. I hope maybe they'll revisit it. But um, yeah, so the, the only people who have been punished are people who were the good guys. And so we have to take a step back out and say, why is this happening? And again, it's because that's what the people in charge want to be happening. They want regular people to be at risk, malleable, pliable, drug dependent, dependent on hands, handouts, without a sense of individual pride, without a sense of being able to provide for their own families. They want us to turn into blobs. And without pushback, it will continue. So the UK police force is just a stellar example of that um, insidious identification with, with the enemy. And it will take people with quite a lot of um, moral and testicular fortitude to to make any changes. It will take a lot more outrage. And I feel like there is some outrage, but there's only a handful of people who are speaking out public, publicly about this in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Many of them are guests on Mark's show. Um, so you would think like in a country of that many people that you would get more more individuals um, demanding more things. And uh, people always just consider that somebody else will do, th- will do the thing. And often you have to really think, well, maybe I'm the person. You know, if somebody, there's that expression, somebody has to do something about it. And then it's like, well, maybe the somebody is you. Maybe it's your calling. Maybe you're the somebody who can make a difference on these specific things. So I don't have the exact recipe. I just know that individuals can make a huge difference. Um, And it's really important. Again, courage is contagious. And if you're in a position to do anything or to be vocal, um, it's so important. So I would encourage you to do what you can. Um, Yeah, the UK is also... I've never been a huge fan of London uh, myself. I found... I know that there's people who who love London and love England, and I've I've never seen anything else in the rest of the United Kingdom. I I would love to travel to Scotland or Ireland at some point, um, but I I I always did find the culture. I found it uh, sort of depressing. It it didn't feel like a culture of of joy to me, even when I went when I was uh, just finishing university. Sort of dank and dark, and and people seemed reluctant to strike up conversations. They were cautious. It was expensive, and uh, so I've never been a huge fan. But I I I kind of weep for what is happening in the United Kingdom because I do have a very strong sense of admiration for the for British Commonwealth, for actually for the royal family, for the tradition of law and order, for the Magna Carta. Um, for the dignity of some of these institutions. And that is very upsetting. That is in such a decline. Um, so thanks very much for for that question. I think it's probably something that Mark will also likely pick up on um, on next week's show. Uh, let us see what else. We've got a few more on uh, ESG and DEI. That's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's funny, I think Professor Gad 
Saad from Montreal, a professor at Concordia, who also wrote a good book about this, The Parasitic Mind. <laughs> he says that they, they had to shift it from D-I-E to D-E-I. So yes, um, Hugo Miller wrote, wrote a comment about how he doesn't think that it's the CEOs that are driving the ESG and D-E-I nonsense, that it is BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Streets, and that they own so many shares that they control the board. And corporations now have to take into account the ESG scores of these upstream suppliers and downstream customers. Commerce will soon grind to a complete halt. So, okay, that might be possible. Why do they have to? Have to? Like somebody's, is it is it like a gun that they're holding to their heads? Or are they just like worried, you know, is it kind of like worrying about the monster underneath the bed? Like, I think we have to be careful with language. Um, but thank you for commenting on that because, uh, you know, the economic stuff is often a little bit beyond my area of expertise. I'm more just going on um, my instinct on this stuff. Let us see what else we've got here. We have got, oh my God, guys, it's five to four. So we're going to take a few more, maybe like one or two. Um, and then I'm going to have to skedaddle and I'm going to leave you because I have like a gazillion other things that I have to do before sundown. Uh, and that is just the way it is for a, an uppity Jewish mother like me. So let's see. Uh, we've got one more about Trump and sort of a, there's a couple little things about DeSantis. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I can even get into like predicting what's going to happen because I just think the system is so corrupt. So I've, I've talked a lot about that. And I think that without addressing the corrupted uh, actual system of how, how the elections are run, that um, it's almost moot to talk about a lot of these Trump um, DeSantis questions. Although I do find it interesting that like American conservatives, if you look online, like on Twitter, <laughs> there's people who are ferociously like Trump, 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 Trumps. And then there are people who are ferociously like DeSantis, DeSantis. So I can't be like super passionate about either right now. I just kind of watch. I'm just like watching the show. All right, let's see what we've got here. Um, do, 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 another forest fire question. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that just because I haven't really been keeping really up to date. But let's let's end on uh, a World Economic Forum question. So we've got here uh, Sandra Robinson. Sandra Robinson says, "Good evening, Laura." Uh, because the World Economic Forum en route in acquiescing the world, its wealth, resources, life forms, and greatly reduced world population of people have member and WEF trained leaders in every corner of the globe and very many countries, including Russia, China, the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, U EU, UK, North Korea. It makes no sense, uh, nor is it on the side of justice for geopolitical opposition in the US, uh, blah, 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 et cetera, to be arguing to stop the help and support of Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Oh boy, this is like a really dense question as well. Um, the WEF is an enemy of all the ordinary people. I agree with you. Um, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Sorry, it's a really long question, Sandra. So I'm just going to try to get to like the, the main uh, elements of it, which is like to talk about the WEF and um, what else can I talk about in here? Look at the WEF is obviously a very uh, dangerous 
force for bad, right? We can agree on that. Um, and does it make any sense that it is in existence? It makes sense for the people who are making a lot of money on it. It makes sense for the people who can use it to control other populations. Um, that part of it uh, does make sense. And it's really, it's quite evil. Um, I kind of have a hope that when Klaus, Klaus, Klaus Schwab, when he kicks the bucket, that it might not be quite as toxic, but that might just be a pipe dream, you know, like Klaus and uh, George Soros, they are really, they're getting on in years and they should just get on with what they need to do, which is like, just frankly, just go and die. They're evil, evil quacks. Um, so I don't know, I guess I'm not being very uh, succinct in this answer, but uh, yes, it is a threat to humanity. Um, it is really scary. The, the only good thing about this uh, business with the WEF and all their weirdos like that Yuval Harari, uh, awful guy as well, they're all telling the truth when they open their mouths. Like they're all actually, you can, you can bet on the fact that what they're saying to you about what their plans are is absolutely true. Take it to the bank. So they're not crazy. They're very concise. They're very truthful. And it's kind of like I, I've said before, like when these crazy like Hezbollah or Hamas, when these crazy imams are like shrieking at the top of their line, like, we're going to drink your blood. We're going to nuke Israel. We are going to incinerate the whole world. We are going to dance on your bloody grave. You should take them at their word. They are telling the truth. That what they say is what they're going to do is what they believe. They're not hiding it. They're not obfuscating anything. So beware of Klaus et al. Um, listen to what they're saying. They're being perfectly honest. Look at their website once in a while. Just, you know, check it out because they are being uh, very open about the plans. And um, if you have a heads up about it, then <clears throat> you can kind of organize yourself to fight. That's an idea. Um, so Sandra, thanks for bringing up that. I think, I hope you guys aren't like fully depressed now that we're coming, uh, to an end of the show because I've actually really had a ball. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. And like I said, you are going to get the man himself, the great prophet Stein, uh, will be back for your edification with a Monday show. Uh, so we hope that he feels better. I hope that all you guys have a wonderful wonderful weekend. If you think of anything else that you want to discuss, um, you can still pop a note in the comments. You can also email. And luckily, Mark will be available to pick up on a lot of these themes, whether in a Mark's mailbox or in the show. So I'm going to bid you adieu. I got to get ready for Shabbat. So guys, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And uh, it was a pleasure and an honor being with you. And we'll see you next time. Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved. 